thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. All right, good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of you. If you love Jesus, say, I do. Hey, if you have your Bibles, let's go Matthew chapter 5. We're in this series uh, where we're focusing in on the Beatitudes. And so we've said that when you look at each one of these, these are attributes of a disciple. These are fortunate, happy, blessed. And we've looked at each one, and we're uh, working our way today to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. And it says this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Father, we love you today. And Jesus, I thank you for each person here. I thank you, Lord, for their families I thank you, Lord Jesus, for their lives. I just look at what you're doing. and God, I just thank you, honestly, here on a, on a cold day, in, a, in the middle of a season where it's so easy to find a reason to not be here. I just thank you for each one that gathers in the congregation, declares the songs, studies the scripture, greets each other, prays, cares about the things of the kingdom, generously gives to make a difference And I just pray that you would bless them. I pray that they would feel the favor, the blessing of God. And as we read blessed, 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 I pray that they would feel blessed. I pray that they would know that they are blessed. Thank you for each one in Jesus name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. So here's Jesus and this idea of blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. It's going internal Instead of external. Of course, we live in a world and a culture where our temptation is to always focus on the external. And Jesus goes internal. Um, when, I, uh, when my kids were little, uh, I actually, actually hated the way that I would see um, so many people uh, telling their little kids, to, or, or maybe in some kind of public environment where there was childcare, where they would just, when some kid did something wrong, they would say, say sorry, say sorry. And, and, and I thought, you know, I, don't, I didn't really want to replicate that in my family because say sorry, I would watch the three-year-old or the four-year-old or the five-year-old or the 18-year-old, just kidding. Uh, and just, uh, Okay, so, and, uh, but they would, it meant nothing to me, say sorry, because it's, it, it doesn't mean much. So, um, so when my kids were little, if, it, if the conflict was with, with each other and they started fighting each other, I developed this strategy that I felt like focused on the inside. And that was, I want you to love your sibling. I, I don't care about if you just hurt them or, and then say, say, sorry, if you hurt them, my long-term goal is that you actually love them. So I don't know if it worked or not, but if you hit, hurt, verbally said something negative to a sibling, then I would make them hug each other for about an hour. <laughs> and so let me, let me show you Dawson, come up here. This is my son, Dawson. Give you a big hand. This is Dawson. He's 18. Uh, Every time that I would go, when I used to travel and I would go uh, speak somewhere, I would always lean down and kiss him on the head. Um, but now that's difficult. Uh, so I just, but anyway. Uh, 
But anyway, so, so when, when they were little, I would just say, okay, uh, you remember this? Yes, very well. Okay, so, so if, if, you hurt, if you hurt one of them, then you had to hug each other. So they would just be like this, and they'd be stuck together for like an hour, right? And that was more painful. That, they, they, they remembered that, and by the end, they're making jokes. By the end, I mean, an hour of hugging. I mean, maybe 45 minutes, but anyway. But, the, but an hour. But the goal was... Is, is I don't really care about just saying sorry, because anybody can do that. It's external. The goal is I want love for your sibling deep in here. Let's give Doss a big hand. He did a great job. So actually, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount and you look at the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes kind of function like a preamble. I mean, it begins with teaching the whole Sermon on the Mount. And really this theme, blessed are the pure in heart, it's all through the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is going after Hey, the law, the Mosaic law, it's a lot of external, and that's good. It's better to, it's better to not murder than to murder. It's better to uh, not, not have adultery than have adultery. He goes, but I, I'm coming along, and I'm aiming at a higher level. I, want to, I, I care about the pure in heart. I care about the heart, not just the behavior. I care about the, the, what motivates on the inside. So when you read the Sermon on the Mount, just listen to the way that Jesus talks. He talks about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. He says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, but anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, and he's going to go heart. He's going to go purity and heart. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Oh, that's a whole different deal. I mean, Murder versus what I'm looking at is the heart. I'm looking, Jesus goes, what I care about most is the heart. And if you get the heart right, then you'll get the behavior right. You're not going to murder if you don't have anger. But the seed that starts with anger can play out in, in murder. So he's going after heart. And he does, I'm going to just give you three of them. But you, you find this theme in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 27. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So he's saying, I'm going after purity of heart. It's not just the adultery. No, I want to, I want to take it a step higher. I'm going after no lust in your heart. I want purity of heart. It's internal. It's not just the external behavior. One more, Matthew 5, 43. You, uh, you've heard it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So here we have it again. I'm going after what's on the inside. I want love to, I want love to be on the inside. So here we are today and we're looking at our own lives and we're saying, okay, God, many of us know how we, we actually have developed a way to develop the behaviors that are acceptable in church or in society or in family. But if we were to just kind of open up our heart, Jesus goes, what I'm looking at, what I really, what I really want to double down on is what's going on in here. That's because that's what he sees. So you remember the story about David being anointed and it's the phrase that says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So God's looking at the purity of heart. And sometimes we'll just do the math on what will be the ramifications of my decisions. But what God is saying is this. Here's what's a big deal to me. Here's what matters most to me. What's going on 
on the inside. And what God likes, what God delights in, what God, that when God decides who's going to be the next king, when God wants to give promotion, when God, when you stand before God, what he looks at, I mean, we find people in the Old Testament where God uses them. He looks at, he talks about David this way. David, David was not perfect. David had some big issues, but had this heart that longed to please God. And, and only you and God know what's going on inside of your heart. And the big win is for you to intentionally come before God. We're going to talk about that today. I would say set up some parameters to guard your heart from being polluted by the world. We're going to talk about that today. And then keep no secrets. I mean, where you're open, you live a life of honesty and integrity. We're going to talk about that today. Um, I was at a football game with a buddy of mine in East Lansing watching uh, Michigan State versus Michigan play, uh, which is big rival up in the state of Michigan. We don't care about it down here, but, uh, but to them, it's a big deal. And so uh, this is quite a few years ago, and, and we're, we're sitting at the game, and um, of course, it's, it was a home game for the Spartans, and um, everybody around me is dressed in green. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't have, I, I'm, I'm not from Michigan, so I didn't care that much, but hey, I'm dressed in green. You know, let's go, you know, how does this go? What's the mascot here? And, you know, kind of learning the ways as I'm there. And uh, there's a guy next to me, a little bit like fanatical fan, you know, uh, like many of you. And, uh, and so he's just going nuts, just cheering, um, go Sparty, let's go Spartans, you know, go big green, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's wearing this big puffy green coat. And, um, and then we get down towards the end of the game, and all of a sudden, uh, the Michigan Wolverines, which was the visiting team, they were up by, I can't remember exactly how many touchdowns, but I think it was two, and it became evident with about four or five minutes left that it looked like the Wolverines were going to come to town and beat up on the Spartans and leave, and I don't know how this happened. I've never seen it happen before. It was one of the weirder moments of my life, but I watched this guy who's probably in his mid-20s, and he shreds the green coat, and underneath it is blue and navy, and he's like... Go big blue! You know, he's like starts cheering for the wolf. Yeah, exactly. I got a what on the front row. Like, that seems crazy, right? And that's how everybody around us felt. No, what's with this guy? This guy, oh, that, that yeah, you hate it. You kind of go, ugh, right? You with me? Because what you feel is in that moment, you look at that guy and go, you've got something on the outside that doesn't match what's on the inside. And, and that's, that's a conflict. That's weird. That's strange. That's ugh. He got that ugh kind of feeling. So you and I have that tendency. You and I look at the circumstances. What do we get if we get good behavior? How does this play out for me? And over time, it's very easy to develop that hard shell and get some right behavior. And you're distant from God. Your motive, your why, the reason why you do what you do might not be, you might, so it might be moral in the sense that you're doing the moral thing, but your why is a different reason than to please God. And so it's easy to just shred the coat and have something different on the inside than what you're living on the outside. And Jesus comes along in Matthew five and he goes, I'm aiming at the inside. What I care about, what matters most to me, I, I, I'm going after and we're going to get later where he talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart. What I'm looking for is I'm about love on the inside. 
I want relationship. I want the reason why you do what you do is to please God. It's because of God. It's because of God at work. It's because that, that, that whole relationship is not fake. It's real. Soren Kierkegaard, the famous philosopher, he said it this way. Purity of heart is, the will, to one, is to will one thing. It's, it's, you've got that desire for one thing. It's not mixed loves. It's, 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 not all, it's, it's at the center, at the core, it's one love. It's purity of heart, which we all love in our marriage. Oh, it's real. You, you really, the, the beauty of a marriage is I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. It's, it's, there's, there's not mixed loves. It's one. You remember that? Um, maybe you don't, because this is kind of, for those of us, I'm a theater nerd kind of guy. And do you remember the scene in Fiddler on the Roof where they've, I just lost half of you. Uh, <laughs> but, but two of you, you just joined in for the first time. Welcome to the sermon. And, and, but there's, there's, there's the moment where it was an arranged marriage and the, the man is talking to his wife and he's singing the song where he goes, do you love me? For 25 years, I've washed her clothes. You know, and she starts singing about all that she's done. And she says, I, I cleaned the house. I've had your children for 25 years. And he's like, but do you love me? Remember that? And she's bugged. She's like, I, I do all this. She's talking behavior, 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 behavior. And he's going, oh. And he's going internal. But do you love me? Right? Meaning, hey, I didn't choose you. You didn't choose me. Our parents chose us. It was rearranged. What I really care about is not necessarily that you do those things. I care about your heart. Do you love me? And you go sermon on the mount, blessed are the pure in heart. And you have a God that that's going, that's what's really on the inside. What, and, and we have this tendency to go, oh, come on. I go to church. I, I, I lead the small group. I do the things. Ha, I don't do some bad things. You be cool. I'll be cool. We'll do life. And he's going, oh, no, 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 no. It's a bigger story than that. Do you love me? What's going on on the inside? That's, that's, that's what's deep inside. So when Paul says things like in 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have nothing. If I, if I serve the poor, I give all that I have to the poor, but I have not love, I got nothing. Why? Because the inside. I need what's on the inside to match what's on the outside. So it's not okay to just have the outside, but not get the inside. And there's no one that Jesus seems more bugged with than people that had a way, they'd figured out a way to get the outside right, but the inside had false motive. Those are the people that Jesus seemed to not tolerate very well. I mean, you could be an adulterous, I mean, lawbreaker, and Jesus possessed this mercy and this grace. It's amazing. You could be a thief on a cross who in the last moment said, Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus possesses this mercy. I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. But to the people that have figured out a way to look good and, and have it be corrupt on the inside, Jesus said, snakes, whitewashed tombs. <laughs> and so I'm just, I'm just telling you, that's what it looks like when we read Jesus. Like, that's not me making that up. That's you go and you wrestle with the personality of what Jesus talked about. You listen to the way that he talks in the Gospels. 
And man, the thing that he cares so much about is the inside. Here's the tricky part. Only you and God know the inside. That's it. I mean, you and God, when it's just you and him, you're wrestling with what's going on inside of me. So how do we, how do we develop, a, how do we grow in a purity of heart? How, how do we get to the place where that, that benefit of seeing God, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And there's a couple ways you see that. The dream of all of the redeemed is that one day, we will see God. And ultimately, when we talk about heaven, there's a day where we will see him. There's a day where we will be with him. The, 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 I mean, the, it's a futuristic seeing God. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It is the people that abide and walk with God now that get to see God at work in the world right now. There are people that many other people call crazy or looney tune. When you're walking with God, you have this purity of heart and a relationship is real. You have this tendency to see God at work in the world. And there is a delight and a joy in God that, that other people count things up to chance, count things up to um, anything other than God. But there are people that see God at work in the world because they have this purity of heart. So there's a relationship that's vital and real. So how do we get there? I want to give you just a few thoughts. Number one, I want to invite you. How do I take steps in this? Number one is create appointments to see God. Create an appointment. <laughs> like one, then two, then three. My, my wife, whenever we have a child who something is wrong, she will do whatever it takes to see the doctor. I say that. Because Renan does this better than I do. All right? She will make sure. What is, it's not passive. We're going to see a doctor. We're going we're gonna to get, we're going to make sure we will change the schedule. But that sick child, that child that needs a doctor is going to see a doctor. Holy desperation in your heart. Recognizing I am not, my heart is not where it needs to be. I have a whole lot of mixed loves. I have a whole lot of motivations other than God's approval and God's delight and God at work and God in me. I got things about my own selfish ambition. Man, I read Matthew 5 and whoo, I think I got some greed. I think I got some lust. I think I got some hate. I think I got some anger. And so with more delight than seeing a doctor for my physical body, I need my spiritual heart to get before God and I need to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And they feed each other. It's like a snowball, a supernatural snowball. Because when you see God, then there's the desire to be close and to be pure in heart. That's the famous Isaiah 6 moment. There's lots of famous moments in the Old Testament where they see God. Isaiah 6, my eyes have beheld. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people. What's he saying there? Oh, I've seen a little bit about who God is. I get just a little vision of how awesome, how great, how magnificent, how holy God is. And wow, how distant I am from that. Therefore, who I recognize. <laughs> I got a long way to go. I, I, I want to be close. I don't want to live this way. I, I, my eyes have seen the king. 
David said in Psalm 27, 4, this one thing I ask. That's like the Kierkegaard phrase. This one thing I ask. This is what I seek that I dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This is what I want. This one thing. This is what I delight in. So it's a, it's a narrowing of your affections. It's a narrowing your gaze that says, at the core, I have not so many mixed loves, mixed motives. I've got this one. I've got this, this one. And you'll watch. You will become one of those strange people that start to talk about how God is at work in the world. Because you've been with him, you're close to him, and you start to, the things that you didn't used to see, you start to see. Like, for example, for me right now, nobody can talk me out of, I know it's kind of fun to have Doug Lassett here and, and, and give the table away. And uh, so I've loved all the texts you guys have sent me about just, you know, the, the table and the fun and all that. But here's what Doug was doing. He was just saying, there's a story that David keeps telling over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. And honestly, it wasn't that dramatic. Like, I, it kind of felt dramatic now that he bought the table, put the table to it, gave him, it's on the internet. I mean, it kind of it's turned into dramatic, but it didn't start dramatic. started just like, just a little, just, just a little, oh God, I, I'm believing. I circle it and then ding, 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 ding. All these things start to, these dominoes start to go down. And then I just go, God, God, you're providing. God, you're working. It didn't feel that, the whole world's going a million miles an hour. And only because Doug put the table out here and I made a video to, are we trying to say, hey, there's thing going, it kind of feels kind of dramatic. But at the core, most of our lives, it's just this little celebration of, God, you're, you're at work. When you get that purity of heart, one of the most fun ways, the most exhilarating ways to live your life, it's just far more than the, trying to develop all the, the loves of the planet or f- fostering all these other things. It's, I see God. I see him at work in the world. And I have this anticipation. One day, one day, I'm going to see him. You know, however that turns out in eternity. But there's this delight of seeing a little bit of revelation on the word of God now. There's this delight, God at work in the world a little bit right now. God transforming hearts. God changing people. God at work now. And so you can have two people in the very same circumstance. One, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They got, they got God as their motive. They got God as their first love. They got God as their affection. And so they come to Radiant on a Sunday morning, and they're like, oh, I can't wait to gather with the saints, declare he is God. You've been faithful. It's alive inside of them. Same person sitting next to him, singing the same song, thinking, I don't know the words of this song, and I'm, this person next to me smells, and I'm so frustrated by that guy who screams after this song. And, and two different experiences. One is in tears. You've been faithful this week. So it's not the song that causes them to respond. It's that I've seen God. And I can, I can see God. The, the song, the sermon, the stage, the coffee, it's just a it's just the necess- these necessary props for me to just celebrate. I've seen God at work. I see God at work in the lives of people. I see God at work in our church. I see God at work in the nations. I see God at work. And I'm telling you, that's a far more thrilling way to live when where the ultimate motive is my caffeine and my song that I like and my people. And I'm just telling you, or my circumstance I mean, one of the most thing, one of the things I love is when I see these intercessors and I know, I know the, the pain that many of them are living in. 
and they'll pray over you. And they have delight in laying their lifetime down, entering into whatever you're walking through because there's a purity of heart that just says, I care about God at work. And when I see God transform a marriage, when I see God help someone who is dead come alive to Christ and salvation, oh, that's better than winning a game show. That's better than, than all, my, uh, all my investments just skyrocketing. Because I see God, I see God at work. And so I want to invite you, make plans. What would it look like for you to just spend time? More than even I want to see this doctor, I want to see God. This is the ache of Isaiah. This is the ache of David. This is the ache ache of Moses in Exodus 33. Show me your glory. I want to see God. And it's those people that get a front row seat to God at work in the world that actually think life is worth living. They get a front row seat. So better than a 50-yard ticket at Arrowhead seat. Bam! Is God at work in the world. Better, better than on the rocket that takes Michael Strahan to space. And wow, this is beautiful. This is fun. Be- better than a first-class ticket on a plane. Better, I mean, name your seat. May name the most expensive seat. May name the coolest seat. Better to get a front row seat for the pure in heart that get to see God working. I mean, I'm telling you, digging in on your motives, digging in, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Whoo, happy, happy, fortunate are those who get to see God. And you can't talk them out of it. You can't talk me out of the fact God working supernaturally to provide this miracle building. I don't care. You could say, well, David, that building this and that, and let me tell you about how it's working in the economy these days. And okay, fine. But I know you can't, you can't talk me out of it that I saw God at work. And I know there's a hundred variables that create the moment, but I know God at work. So number one, I want to invite you to that is figure out what would that look like? What would it look like for my heart to be not mixed? James says this right away, draw near to God and he will draw near to you or come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Here's what James is saying. It's the same idea. You get the double-minded and it creates the distance. You get single-minded and you find drawing close will bless your life. Right now, my, um, you know, I started with stories from my kids when they were toddlers. Right now, the world of teenagers is they love coffee, right? And I mean, for, for our, our family has, I mean, we're sitting around Christ and coffee. I mean, it's, 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 it's a number two, but, but I'm telling you, it's a, there's a lot of coffee going down in my house. But I drink coffee like the way it's meant to be drunk, drank, how we're supposed to drink it. And my children ruin it with perpetual cream and a little bit of coffee, loads of cream and sugar. And just this week, I literally took my 16 year old to the store to buy fancy creamer. That's it. That's what we're buying creamer. Like it's a whole, it's a whole ride to the store for creamer. Cause it's a big deal in our family and they, they ruin it. But I, I, I mean, right out here, you, you, what we give you is we give you hot black coffee. And to those of you that are Christians, you decide, I'm not going to mix it with the things of the world. I'm going to keep it pure and clean. William Booth, he's the founder of the Salvation Army. And he said, I like my tea like I like my religion. Hot. Well, I'm going to tell you this. get, Get your heart like godly people like their coffee. 
unstained, unmixed, just black, just the way it's supposed to be, and hot, hot like you'd like a relationship with God. I'm just telling you, here's what you want to do. It's just like that. You're pushing out these other things, and they feed each other. Those who are pure in heart, blessed, happy, and they see God. And then when they see God, it's a snowball because they go, oh, why, why would I tolerate a lesser love? I want to behold, Charles Spurgeon said, to an impure heart, God cannot be seen anywhere. To a pure heart, God is to be seen everywhere. In the deepest caverns of the sea, in the lonely desert, in every star that adorns the brow of midnight. To the person who's a pure in heart, they're just flowing. God at work, God at work, God at work, God at work in the world. Second idea is this, guard your heart. Just guard it, fight for it, care about it. Proverbs 4, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. I just want to invite you to this. I think that we live in a world that is so filled with immorality, and I just want to invite you to care. Guard your heart. Fight for it and what you put in, what you pipe into your brain, what you pipe into your... What, you all have limited capacity. So do I. So everything that you put in your mind and in your heart, it just matters. I remember, you guys know this, I was a, I was a youth pastor for 20 years before we started Radiant. And so I used to work with youth pastors all the time and train youth pastors. And I'll never forget having a session with a youth pastor where he was asking me, how do I make our retreats successful? How do we make, have great retreats? So I'm giving him a little deal about, you know, we used to take hundreds of kids up on these retreats. Um, and I'm, I'm teaching about retreats. And then I do what I should have done in the beginning where I just listen. I say, well, tell me about your retreat. Tell me what you got going. And so he tells me about the retreat and and he's talking about, oh yeah, we get these really nice charter buses and we make it so great. And so we watch these movies as we go out to retreat and we do the retreat and we watch back. And I said, well, you, 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 you watch movies on the way up the retreat? And he's like, yeah. And I said, so, and then you watch movies on the way back from retreat? I was like, yeah. I said, how long is it? He's like, about two hours. And so what are those? Because I say, you know, that's a prime moment. That's a classroom on the road. What are you doing right there? And he says, oh, we just, we just show some movies. I said, what movies? And he's like, oh, you know, whatever's popular. And Turns out, I'm, I, I, he says, I said, give me some examples. Like, what did you show in your last few retreats? And he gave me these examples. And I said, brother, I know right now that you're going to think I'm a religious nut. But I said, I think you're crazy. You're piping in immorality, sarcasm, all the things of the world. Not to mention you have the blessed moment where you have their attention and you're just leaving God out. And I said, so you're getting these kids so filled up encountering God, presence of God. I want to be changed. I want to be different. I don't want the ways of the world. And then you're literally putting that junk on them and piping in trash all the way down the mountain. And I said, I love you, but I can tell you a big part of your problem is that is not guarding their hearts. You're not stewarding what God has given you well. You, and if you, if you parent one day, like you youth pastor, you'll be a mess. And I want to invite you, whatever your family looks like, or whatever your own heart looks like, I'm blown away. I, and I know, I know. People get mad. People say, hey, how dare you? I can handle it. I'm tougher than you think. I'm, no, you're not. You're not. It's crazy. You got Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. And you treat it like trash. Why? Because you put trash inside your head and your heart. I'm saying, fight against it. The only way you'll be a radiant light in our culture is if you're different, but if you're just like everybody else, same words, same motives, same values, same things. I'm just telling you, good luck. 
I'm just telling you, it's, 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 you can't do it. Those affections, they matter. So if you feed on the word of God and you feed on what God at work in the world, man, you'll walk around and be like, whoo, I see God at work. I see God here. But if you're binging perpetually on Netflix, living for hours on reels that are trying to get you to live for greed and lust and hate and fame and revenge, you sow what you reap. Reap what you sow. Second Timothy 2 says this, flee the evil desires of youthful and uh, uh, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There it is again. A pure heart. Flee. I just encourage you. What does fleeing look like in your context? Here's Paul talking to young Timothy. There's a certain way that it looks like in the first century. There's a lot of ways. Well, if you'll pray and you'll get with God, he'll lead you what it looks like right now. And be aggressive. You will, you will find more freedom if you get aggressive on this. Okay, last idea is this. Live as if there's no such thing as a secret. Live as if there's no such thing as a secret. I'm not saying that secrets aren't real. I know that there are plenty of secrets that exist. But what I am saying is that if you will have a philosophy of life that there's no such thing as a secret... So you have an open heart, an honest heart, a heart of integrity. You'll be surprised how it will be a hint to help you live a life of purity. There's a Moses in Exodus 2. He thought that he had a secret, but he didn't. Look at this. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their, at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that. So he looked both ways. Looking this way and that and seeing no one. So that's what he thought. He thought this is a secret. And seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you the ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. So what he thought was a secret wasn't a secret. I just want you to see it. So you might live your life differently if you know, A, God is watching at all, all times, and B, who knows? Live your life as if there's no such thing as a secret. Live your life as if, who knows? That's just the famous story of David. David. David thought, oh, I'm so powerful. He goes out, commits adultery, has Uriah killed, murdered, only to have the prophet Nathan come and say, Thou art the art the man. And what he thought was a secret was the secret. I want to give you one example of Joseph, though, because Joseph had the right heart, the purity of heart in a moment where he could have said, ah, no one will know. Genesis 39, this is the story where Potiphar's wife is trying to have him go to bed with her. Verse eight, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing? And then he gives you his motive and sin against God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Flee, flee. And I love this phrase where Joseph opens up his heart and he doesn't say, 
Why would I do that? If Potiphar finds out, he could throw me in prison. Why would I do that? I could lose my position. Why would I do that? That would damage you. He does. All those things are true, but he gives you his heart motive. That's a, the purest form. Why would I sin against God? He sees. I want a purity of heart. How many friends do we have that something they thought was a secret end up ruining their life? creating all kinds of pain, end up just creating just a hurt. So many of us think, oh, no one will see. It's just me here. I'll do this just this one time, just this small, just this small financial cheating, just this, just this secret lustful cheating, just this. No, 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 no. Live your life open, honest, clear, clean. Why? Why would I sin against God? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He goes, oh, there's a pure heart. Now, I want you to see more of who I am. I want to see more of my activity, God at work in the world. I'm telling you. That heart of integrity, that heart of purity, that heart, those people end up happy, fortunate, blessed. Amen? Will you stand your feet with me? Just place your hand on your heart. I invite our prayer team to come forward. You know, one of the things I love about David in Psalm 51 is David says, create in me a clean heart, or I love the way you read it in the NIV, create in me a pure heart, oh God. So when we come before God, he's the one that does the work. My job is I draw near. I approach God. But David's phrase was, God, you do the work. Create in me a pure heart. I mean, right after all that he had done and got caught in a secret. He comes to God and he cries out, create in me a pure heart, oh God. I'd like to invite you right now to take David's prayer and just make that your prayer. I honestly, with where God's called us to go as a church, to touch the city, to touch the next generation, to touch the nations, man, we as, a, we as the early days, we got to get this one deep in us. Create in me a pure heart, oh God, unmixed. No space for other loves. You do it, God. I need you. I can't, I can't do it. I need God. So I'll do my part. I'll, I'll come before you and pray like David did. It's not you just reaching down and doing it in some kind of magical way. I, I come and I put my heart before you. And I'm desperate, oh God. I got a mixed heart. Take off the outer shell. And I secretly have a whole different life. Change me. Purify my heart. Refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be holy. Pure. 
You just give one area of your life to God that you know. You need some greater purity in that area. Just give it to God. Just you and him right now. Purify my heart. Refiner's fire. I don't want to be a fake. Come. Today, if you're in the room and you go, I'm anything but pure in heart. Let me tell you, there's good news. It doesn't matter. You could be a murderer and adulterer. And the God of the ages responds to those who say, created me a clean heart, created me a pure heart, oh God. You could be even the one that the society says is a disaster and awful. And God likes to take the most broken, weak people that go, I have no merit strength on my own. And God does the work. God ends up using Moses to lead. And David to lead. He's not done with you. The God of mercy, the God of salvation will take broken adulterers, murderers, and heal, save, transform, and use. Today, if you just want to begin a relationship with God, it's, I'd invite you just to begin this. Just say this prayer with me. God created me a pure heart. Save me and redeem me. Give me a new life in Christ. Not on my own abilities and merit, but because of Christ. Change me today. Give me new life. I want to see God. I want to see you one day in heaven. And I want to walk with you and know you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we'd love to go on the journey with you. I'd love for you to tell somebody up here that you gave your life to Jesus today. Or if you want to, right on our website, there's a connection card that Rachel mentioned earlier. If you would tell us that you gave your life to Jesus, we'd like to be in touch with you this week and help you go on the journey.